0: Five Tips for the New Christian Believer Your Most Intimate Relationship with God Now by Carlos Puentes Dedication To the one whom I love, my beloved, I think about you all day, every day. From the moment that I arise in the morning to the moment that I lay my head to rest at night, I think about you. My soul yearns for you. Before the early morning light knows dawn, you whisper in my ear lovingly to awaken me. In my soul there is warmth because your sun shines bright within me and there is no darkness there. I go days without eating so that I may eat with you. I dine on the bread that does not perish. I get butterflies in my stomach when I ponder your being. My heart fails within me at the thought of the coming of your presence. I am brought to tears at how you love us sacrificially and unconditionally, and how you bless me with grace and mercy. It is my greatest desire to be the closest man to your heart, my King. May you be glorified in every action, thought, movement, plan of mine. I pray that you would be pleased by my faith. I dedicate this book to your glorious name. May you be high and lifted up above all names. Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Acknowledgements. I desire to acknowledge my grandmother, Justa Puentes, in this book. She has been completely invaluable to my walk with Christ. I call her almost every day and we speak for hours at a time. She constantly encourages me to seek the Lord more and more. It would be impossible for me to know God the way that I do without her. I pray constantly that her selfless prayers would be answered. It is my hope that she would see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. May God shine his majestic countenance upon her and reveal to her great and mighty things. Amen. I would also like to acknowledge my mother, Evelyn Jerez. She has been the foundational rock that has kept me grounded in life. Growing up without a father, she played the role of both parents effortlessly. Through the sacrifices she has made, I am able to stand tall on two feet. I thank her for helping me become the man that I am today. I hope to see her serving the Lord wholeheartedly in the future. May the Lord be graceful and merciful towards her all the days of her life. Amen. Introduction For the new Christian believer, Christianity can seem daunting. It is possible that you recently committed to a new life and are seeking to get more involved. However, the past is no longer attractive, but the future seems to be frightening. What do you do? In this short ebook, I will lay out five practical tips to help you in your journey as a new believer. As I was praying and meditating on these practical tips, I found that the following are crucial areas that can help you move forward as a Christian. Number one, prayer. Number two, Bible study. Number 3. Discipline. Number 4. Fasting. Number 5. Patience. This ebook is by no means meant to be exhaustive nor comprehensive. These are just some tips that I have prayed and fasted to present to you. It is truly my desire to inspire the world to seek after intimate relationship with God. There is no intimacy greater than that between creator and creation. God desires to enter into the covenant of marriage with you. However, a marriage is something that requires the efforts of both parties. I hope and pray that these tips will be useful to you. I cry out to God for you and that it will touch your soul and heart to seek after Him. Chapter 1 Prayer What is prayer and why is it important? Prayer is the consistent communication between you and God. Oftentimes, prayer is the hardest part for new Christians to understand. This is because of the piety that we associate with the activity. People tend to think that we have to break out the Bible and play story time with God by reading his own word to him as if he does not already know it. The way that I envision my prayers is that I am having normal yet reverent conversation with my best friend. God knows everything about me. He knows me more than I know myself. Psalm 139 beautifully illustrates God's intimate knowledge of our being. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot contain it. I love how David the psalmist says that this knowledge is too wonderful for him. When I consider that the Lord knows me in the most intimate ways, it truly overwhelms me. Isaiah 65, 24 tells us that even before we call, he answers us. And while we are yet speaking, he will hear. So the Lord already knows what we want to say and he still wants to hear us say it. That has to be one of the best aspects of prayer. In normal communication with people, We get frustrated because they do not pay attention to us or they simply do not understand us. The beauty of prayer with God is that he knows our most confidential thoughts. Even our subconscious is known by him. There are often times when I do not speak a word to him. I just laugh. The Lord knows and understands us better than we can imagine. There are approximately 6,500 languages in the world. God knows them all. He can speak to us in any language we choose. Deeper than languages are dialects and colloquialisms. He can speak to us in a way that we understand. However, my favorite thing about communication is that we have our own language even within the dialects and colloquialisms we use. For example, there is a language that is specific to me, the language of Carlos god even speaks that there is a way that i interpret the world through the culmination of all my experiences god does not need to use words to speak to me he can bring up a situation memory thought or even an image into my mind to communicate with me god can speak through any circumstance most of us are familiar with love languages It is the way in which we love and desire to be loved. The Lord can use your love language to speak to you as well. He can use an individual to do or say something that was already in your spirit. There have been so many times that I was left in total shock and awe by the accuracy of God's communication in my life. It will leave you completely speechless But the key is to include him in every part of your thought process. The Lord wants to be a part of your life. When praying to God, there is no need to sound professional or religious in your prayers. The purpose of prayer is to connect and build your relationship with the Lord. When I talk with God, I speak with him like he is my best friend and significant other. I spend all day including him in nearly every possible thought. Typically... When we think to ourselves, we are speaking in first person. For example, today I've had the roughest time. It seems like it is never going to end. I am feeling so impatient. However, if you want to make this prayer, you can switch it up by including God into the conversation. This would be an example. Father, today has been so long. It seems like it's never going to end. I am feeling impatient. But I know that you can help me get through this. I do not know why I have been feeling this way. Please help me. Take all of those singular thoughts and apply them towards God. He wants to be included in your thoughts and be a part of your life. When you bring him into your situation, you are allowing God to work in it. The moment that you surrender to the Lord and acknowledge that he has the power to move, is when He will demonstrate His power and grace to you. Another example of inclining your thoughts to God could be, I don't know what to write in this book. Should I give examples of my current life? The thought process I have now? Rather than keeping the thoughts to myself, I might say, Father, I don't know what to write in this book. Can you help me throughout the day with coming up with ideas? I have the desire to help people in their walk with Christ. I would like to honor you by putting this information out there to be accessed by new Christians. In this form of prayer, I am including God into my process of writing this book. I am also seeking to glorify Him in this, so I present the thought in a form of glorification. I can definitely testify that the Lord has been giving me ideas for this book day in and day out. There are no lack of ideas or things to say. Prayer is as simple as taking those thoughts and including him in them. Do not think that you only need to include him in religious thoughts. He wants to be a part of everything. I literally ask God what I should wear for the day. I act as if he is in the room with me. Sometimes I throw on three outfits and ask which one he likes the best. I want God to be included in every aspect of my life. One of my favorite things to do with God is to go on a walk and just pour myself out to him. We talk about everything from struggles, pains, family, my love interest, to the future and my past. He wants to hear it all. I highly suggest implementing prayer walks into your daily life. It is a relaxing way to communicate with God and be refreshed by Him. I see it as literally walking with God. To get a little bit more intimate with you, I have been praying about the promises God gave me. Before I moved to San Diego, California, he showed me everything that I could desire to see. He promised me a wife, a family, and to be established here beyond what I could imagine. When I pray to the Lord, I ask him to help me be the best man of God that I can be so that I may be responsible to take care of that which he will bless me with. I ask him to establish me in a way that would be conducive to raising a godly family. I do not want to simply receive these things, for to receive is easy. Rather, I ask him to prepare me for these blessings. I ask him to work on my pride. May he humble me. I ask for wisdom so that I can deal with my family appropriately. I pray that he would mold and shape me no matter his means or methods. I ask him to refine me even when the pain is too much to bear. I look to him for his wisdom and counsel because I cannot do a single thing without his input. One of the main things that my prayer is composed of is my future wife. I talk to him about this mystery woman every day. What is she like, Lord? Does she love you? Will she love me for who I am? I wonder what she enjoys doing. What will we do together? How will we serve and impact the kingdom? I hope that you would make us a godly example in marriage for the world to see. Does she fear you? How will she be as a mother? How many kids does she want? Where is she? How long must I wait, O Lord? Will she love you more than she loves me? Does she love coffee the way that I do? May you be glorified in everything that we do. May you be exalted and lifted high because of our weight. I pray that you will be praised by the testimony I will give one day. I thank you in advance for bringing us together in your presence. I am grateful that you consider me in such a way as to bless me with someone that would love you the way that I do. These are just simple things that I think with the Lord. Sometimes I speak them out loud and others I keep between us. Now, here's the thing. What if you do not know what to pray? God is so amazing. I love him, I swear. Even when we do not know what to pray, his Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf in a more effective way than we can. When you are feeling weak or down, just cry out to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf before God. There have been so many times that I literally do not know what to pray, but I let go and let God do His thing. These have been some of the most intimate moments, because in my weakness, the Lord takes over and demonstrates His great and glorious power in my life. I am so glad that God is patient and kind and merciful towards us. He endures with us and bears our burdens. His presence should become your safe haven. The very place you go to at all times. In those moments of despair, anger, joy, happiness, etc. You should run straight to him for all things. He is always there to listen and he is quick to forgive the repentant heart. Do not make prayer a chore or something that is dreaded in your day. Open up to him and be real. He knows what is in your heart before you even speak a word. Prayer is a beautiful existence. It is the direct connection between heaven and earth, divine and natural, creator and creation. However, we should not make our prayers all about us. God does not want us to be selfish. We should be praying for others as well. The point of prayer is to accomplish His will on earth, not our will in heaven. So how do I know what to pray for according to His will? We will answer that in the next section of the book, Bible Study. Chapter 2 Bible Study Bible Study has to be one of the most cardinal aspects of the Christian life. The Bible is the Word of God. It is alive and active. Jesus is described as being the Word of God. He is literally the Word incarnate. The reason we study the Word of God is to deepen our relationship with the Father. Yes, we can pray and communicate with God, but God speaks to us through His Word. It is the medium of which He used to describe His character and being. The Bible is so vital to our survival in this world because it gives us the guide we need to navigate the turbulent times in life. By reading the Bible we get to know who God is. God never contradicts Himself. He is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. That is why the Bible is so important, because the heart of man is deceitful. Emotions are transient, and we invest so much of ourselves in interpreting their meaning. It is more important to interpret God's word than our own emotions. We can begin to think that God is one way or another, when in reality our thoughts or emotions have created the image of God, that lacks the power thereof. It is crucial that we know the Word of God more than we know ourselves. It is disappointing that even seasoned Christians neglect to study the Word. The Bible is the bread of life and is necessary for our existence to continue. So now that we understand the necessity of studying the Bible, let us dig deeper into it. The Bible is a collection of books. There are 66 books in total. These books are divided into two parts. The Old Testament, 39 books, and the New Testament, 27 books. The Old Testament is God's story pointing to the coming of the Messiah, Savior or Anointed One, who is to save the world. The New Testament is about the Messiah, Jesus, coming into the world, dying for our rebellion against God and providing salvation for mankind from God's judgment and his imminent return to deliver his people. The best way that I can describe the Bible is a romance. It is a love story between a wife and a husband, but not just any wife and husband, the wife and husband. Jesus describes his church as his wife. He is the husband that is preparing his bride for the coming marriage that is to take place at the end of the age. What age? The age of mankind's sin. Christ will return one day to save his people. After he saves us, there will be a wedding where the church will be joined with him. Let us find a good place to start with studying the Bible. It is my recommendation that you begin in the New Testament. It does a great job at explaining the Old Testament for people who have no knowledge of it. The New Testament is comprised of the four gospel accounts by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These authors are giving an eyewitness account of the story of Jesus. They are all telling the same story from different perspectives. Matthew focuses on the importance of the kingdom of God. Mark emphasizes the immediacy and brutal nature of Christ's death. Luke has a heart for the poor and collected testimonies from people with Christ. John was the beloved disciple and speaks from a place of true love and admiration for Jesus. If you would like to start with any of these, I would highly recommend John because of his passion for the Lord. Another choice is to begin with Luke because the book that comes after the Gospels is Acts. Acts, formerly known as Acts of the Apostles, details the events and stories of the Apostles after the death and resurrection of Christ. Most notably, Acts gives an account of Paul's life and conversion. Acts and Luke are actually supposed to be one book, but they were separated. After Acts comes the epistles, or letters of Paul, which goes into great detail about the life of the early Christians and the standards to live in holiness. The New Testament is concluded with the book of Revelation. It is a book that was written by John of Patmos. He had a vision from Jesus Christ about the end times. This book is extremely symbolic and should be kept for when you are ready to study prophecies, imagery, and symbology. It is a difficult book to understand. I highly recommend connecting with a spiritual leader to help you get through this book. The New Testament can be read from beginning to the end. I highly advise acquiring a study Bible to begin with. It splits the pages in half and gives a verse-by-verse breakdown of what is being discussed in the books. The translations that I recommend for new Christians is the English Standard Version, New King James, New International Version, or any other plain English translation. I would advise you to avoid the Bibles that are Message Bibles, such as the Amplified Version or the Message Bibles. These translations take too many liberties in their messages. However, however, these translations are good for getting a better understanding of a verse that does not make sense as they further simplify the verse into our language. I do not recommend them as your main Bible because the translation is not correct. Use these translations as supplementation to your normal Bible study. The Bible makes so much sense if you think about humanity as a singular being. What if God made man as one? as he is one. The Bible says in Genesis that we are made in the image of God. Does that include his very nature of being one? Maybe this is all conjecture, but I do believe there is biblical basis for this viewpoint. In Adam's loins was the lineage of all who would have come to exist. From one man, sin entered into the world, and from one man, salvation entered into the world. What if Adam's period in time was humanity's infancy, the time of the patriarchs, our early childhood development, the time of judges and kings, the time of our adolescence, the time of the prophets and exile of Israel, our pre- the time of the prophets and exile of Israel, our prepubescent stage, the time of Christ, our teenage years, the time after his death and resurrection, the time of young adulthood and the time before Christ's return, our full maturity to be prepared for the wedding and joining of Christ and his church. I think this brings everything full circle and creates a storyline that is easier to follow. You can begin to understand why God behaves the way that he does, not that we can truly understand his ways in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he had to demonstrate his authority and sovereignty to us, In the New Testament, we come to a better understanding of grace because His wrath is withheld from us, thus equating to His mercy. Again, this is just a viewpoint that I have developed in many years of studying the Word of God, both spiritually and academically in a secular environment. If you are new to the Bible, this viewpoint would make much more sense as you continue to read the stories that lie within the books of the Bible. This is just an idea or viewpoint that I have had. I have always felt that God needed to teach humanity his ways. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, what did he know of God's wrath? What was his understanding of evil? Adam was ignorant to the fullness of God's ways. Not that we can know those things, but that God would desire to show them to us. I have gone through many things in my life, and in this last season, I believe that God has truly been revealing to me the purpose of suffering. The purpose of suffering is twofold. One, God desires to demonstrate his character. Two, God desires to develop our character. Recently, the Lord asked me a serious question. My knowledge of God desires to show me his character came in the form of a question. How will you know me as a provider if you are never on the precipice of hunger? How will you know me as your deliverer if your enemies never rise up against you? How will you know me as your healer if you never face sickness? How will you know that I reign forever if I never show you that I am king over all? These questions pierced me. God desires to show us his name in the form of his word applied in action. In order to do that, he has to put us through some things. Never think of suffering as a punishment. It is always for preparation. It was in that teaching I learned more. When you begin to see the stories of the men and women of old, it begins to bring to light the things that are occurring in your own life. Imagine going through the situations that Job went through. What about Joseph in Genesis? He was sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused by his master's wife, thrown in jail for more than 14 years, but God had a plan. The number one thing that the Bible does is that it demonstrates God's sovereignty and provides us with hope in Him. We can use the stories within the pages of the Bible to push forward. It teaches us patience, perseverance, wisdom, mercy, self-control, honesty, righteousness, and so many other wonderful things. I highly encourage that you take the time to invest yourself into the Bible. When I study the Bible, I use tools such as BibleGateway.com and BibleHub.com. Their usefulness has proven vital to my spiritual growth. I use Bible Gateway to read passages online. All the translations can be found there. Bible Hub is crucial for me because I search a single verse and it lists about 20 translations in order. It allows you to read multiple translations at once to get a better understanding. I also use it for commentaries. Many of the authors of these commentaries have studied the word and have been trained in the art of theology to interpret the text. I typically copy the passages from their website and paste them into my online journal. Journaling is another discipline that I would recommend you get into. I write all my entries as an ongoing conversation with God. It allows me to break down verses in accordance to what I am currently going through. The Bible and journaling have increased my intimacy with God to another level. I have overflowing abundance of grace with God through his manifold wisdom. It is truly amazing the changes that can occur when you study his word. Take time every day to read your Bible. Think of it like going a day without texting your favorite person. If my wife did not text me for a day, I would be concerned. If days go by, then I would be really sad. God wants us to know him. The Bible says that he wanted to be found by his people, but they did not seek after him. Does that not touch your heart in any way? Imagine wanting to be found by the person you want the most and they never seek you. When you desire someone, your eyes are only for that person. No one else even exists. Maybe I am alone in that, but when I see the woman I care about, I do not see anyone else. She is the only one that exists in a room full of people. My eyes are on the Lord. I use his word to draw closer to him because I desire to have an intimate relationship with him. His word is a love letter to us. It is the way that we can get to know him more. I desire to know my beloved. There is nothing more beautiful than maintaining and cultivating a relationship with God. I beseech that you would seek him with all diligence, for he is waiting to be found by you. Chapter 3 Discipline Discipline is self-imposed standards for a higher goal. Aristotle is often misquoted as stating, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is an act, not a habit. God has called us to excellence. When we come to Christ, there is a transformation process that must take place. We commit to the ways of the Lord. However, it is the acts that we habitually participate in that define us as Christians. When I was in the world, I did worldly things, but when I came to Christ, I have been letting those things go through the process of God's grace and patience. I am by no means a perfect man. There are many faults and weaknesses that I possess. I give thanks and glory to God that he is so merciful towards me. The Lord continually calls me to change. The process of spiritual metamorphosis is not a destination but a journey. Thus, I would exhort you to examine your current ways and see if there be anything that could be changed for the glory of Christ, who died for our sins. Our Father is active in our life. He calls us to change and seek after His holiness. Biblical holiness is to be consecrated, which means to be set apart or separated. God made the ultimate sacrifice so that we may leave the darkness of our past and enter into the marvelous light of His grace. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 to four, so eloquently explains our call to excellence. in that he called us to his excellence and provides us the way to his glory. It is possible to overcome these things of our past. Discipline is the key to achieving our transformation in Christ. We are to bear our crosses and die to sin every day. God will help us if we remain disciplined in his Holy Spirit. Some of the habits that I have changed in regard to my Christian life have been my choice in music and Exercise, modesty, mental health, reading the Bible, prayer, fasting, and surrendering to God's will. Why should you change your choice of music? Music is likely the most influential component of your subconscious mind. Music is so powerful that it has the ability to take you back to an exact point in time, location, scene, etc. It has a stronghold over your life. If you are continuously listening to worldly music, you are dishonoring God. Worldly music is made with the intention of glorifying self and the flesh. Worship music, on the other hand, is created for glorifying God. We were made for the specific purpose of worshiping the Lord. So if we do not worship God, then we are worshiping what we give our time to. Exercise has helped me feel better emotionally and physically. A healthy life is a happy life. The discipline that is required to be consistent in exercise and nutrition is invaluable. The self-control necessary to maintain a proper diet correlates directly to your spiritual life. If you are able to maintain your discipline with food, you will be able to maintain it spiritually as well. Socrates stated that the undisciplined life is an insane life. I believe this is true because the individual that lacks discipline is ruled by their passions or desires. There is no true control in that person. If I do not possess discipline, then my cravings, emotions, thoughts, misconceptions, ideas, and various other factors will have complete control over my life. However, having discipline and doing the very thing I do not want to do will provide me the rain that we would need in my life. The beauty of being disciplined with your everyday diet is that it directly benefits your times of fasting. If you possess self-control in what you are eating on a daily basis, it assists you with being able to fast for longer periods of time. This is why I try to maintain a balanced diet of whole foods and the occasional junk food for a snack. I have learned that it is best to be realistic about your dieting goals so that you do not overeat or binge because you have starved yourself. When you find a balance in one area of your life, it affects all others. For example, that balance in my diet causes me to have more control so that after a fast I am not binging on food. I learned this the hard way. I would fast for a day or two, and then, when I could break my fast, I would eat until I was sick. Fasting is supposed to help your discipline, not destroy it. Have a balance in everything you do. Another discipline I have in regard to my diet is that I do intermittent fasting every day. I fast from my last meal at night, which is typically 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., to about 1 p.m. the next day. These short bursts of fasting have increased my ability to fast for longer periods of time because I am used to the feeling of hunger. The longest that I have fasted thus far has been six days. It is my goal to one day do a 21-day complete fast. My favorite thing about discipline is that it returns your power back to you. Paul states in Romans 7.18, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Oftentimes, we know what we should do, but our cravings and desires overpower us and we do not carry out the good we ought to do. A lack of self-discipline is sin. Why? The Bible says that if you know what is right and you do not do it, that is sin. That is why it is so important to begin to build your discipline. Can you imagine if Jesus lacked self-control? If every time sin presented him with an opportunity, he surrendered to the flesh? We would not be here today. There would be no such thing as Christians. Your obedience in one area leads to the liberation of peoples in many other areas. I thank God that Jesus never sinned because he harnessed the complete power of discipline self-control is a fruit of the spirit galatians 5 to 23 states the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law It is fascinating that God says there is no law against operating in these fruits. Discipline is like a muscle. It must be trained every day to grow. If you utilize every opportunity you see to operate in discipline, you will grow that muscle exponentially. Every time that you have an urge, question that urge. Is satisfying this craving going to get you closer or farther away from your goal? Manage your desires appropriately. It does not mean that you have to deny them every opportunity. However, there must be balance. Remember the vision of your desire for accomplishment and ask yourself, is it worth it? Some practical tips that I recommend is that upon waking up, do not reach for your phone. Rather, get up and go sit somewhere and meditate with God. You can pray by speaking to him or simply listening. Once you are done with that, read your Bible even if only a single chapter. This will transform your life. Wake up early and seek the Lord. When you show God that He has priority over the things that have priority over you, He is going to show you great and mighty things. The discipline in fasting leads to blessings because food is an essential part of life. Waking up and seeking God in the morning is a declaration to the heavens that He is first and foremost in your life. I have experimented with all hours of the night to seek God. I literally have done 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and so on. The most powerful time that I have found to seek the Lord is 3 a.m. I am not saying that this will be your experience, nor should you wake up at this time, but that was what I found in my experimentation with God. I highly suggest waking up one hour earlier to dedicate that time to God and give Him the first fruits of your day. Discipline will lead to a fruitful life. It is the driving force to accomplishing anything that you commit yourself to. By the pain of self-control, you are denying the current pleasures of the world to enjoy the lavishing glory of the grace to come. I encourage you to surrender the things that are distracting you from becoming the best version of yourself. Examine yourself daily. What is distracting you? Why do you give up so easily? What is stopping you from doing the thing that you do not want to do? Desire can fuel discipline. Oftentimes when I am faced with a decision between what I want now and the thing that I envision, I ask myself, what do you desire more? The temporary satisfaction of that thing? or the eternal accomplishment of sacrificing to achieving your goals. Be disciplined. Ask God for anything in His name, and He will give it to you. Ask Him for discipline and self-control, and see how He will answer your prayers in due time. Chapter 4 Fasting Fasting has to be one of the most underrated and misunderstood aspects of the Christian life. Many Christians do not know that fasting is not an option. It is a command from Jesus. In Matthew 6, Jesus was speaking with the disciples about how to pray and fast. His main point was that we should not be practicing our righteousness for recognition. There were religious leaders in his day that would do things such as praying giving to the poor, and fasting just to be seen. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said the following, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Everything that the Lord wants done needs to be completed with a sincere heart. We cannot deceive God. He knows the words on our tongue before the thoughts enter our heads. What he desires is obedience and submission to him. The purpose of fasting is to afflict the soul and draw closer to God. When you fast, you are declaring to God that nothing else matters to you. Food is the most essential aspect of life outside of water. You are taking a stand against your body and submitting yourself under the covering of God. I have to be honest, fasting is probably my favorite aspect of the Christian life. The Bible says that man does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love God with all my heart. Have you ever loved someone to the point that you think about them all day and you go without eating? (laughs) That is how I feel when I am fasting with the Lord. I get those same butterfly feelings as if I am about to faint because I literally am. However, there is power in pushing forward and committing yourself to God and fasting. I trade the physical food to eat of the spiritual food. God is so faithful. Wow. He is so faithful to acknowledge our genuine efforts. He sees our hearts and all that we do. When you fast, there is nothing greater you can do than to be sincere. Because fasting is not just about going on a hunger strike or losing weight. It is a declaration to the Lord that you are willing to submit under his authority. You are trusting that the Lord will provide for you and not let you grow weary. There is true power in that. If you want to see the glory of God, then shut the doors of your house, turn off your phone, remove all distractions, and dedicate yourself to prayer, fasting, and reading His Word. I guarantee you that you will see a supernatural move of God like you have never experienced before. For the Bible says, that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. And if the righteous are never forsaken or seen begging for bread in the physical, how much more is our God faithful to provide the bread that does not perish? Hallelujah. Glory be to God in the highest. I'm getting hype right in this. The Bible states that the spirit of God is willing, but the flesh is weak once you understand that concept it is going to transform your entire spiritual life god's holy spirit within you is always willing to glorify god in obedience to him the flesh leads to nothing but destruction think about it we want to quit be lazy anxious desperate etc this is the nature of the flesh The flesh is in rebellion to God. When you desire to pray, fast, read the Bible, go to church, or do anything that has to do with God, what happens? You get tired. People start texting you. That person that never calls you all of a sudden has a million things to say to you. Your siblings barge into your room and so many distractions arise. These are all convenient ploys of the devil to stop you from moving forward in your spiritual walk with God. Therefore, be vigilant of his schemes and plan ahead for them. As I am writing this chapter, I am currently on a fast. It has been about 20 hours since I last ate. Typically, I fast every day from my last meal at night around 8pm to 1pm the next day. I do this because I like to have the discipline of fasting so that it can help me on my days of spiritual fasting. I use this method of fasting for clarity of mind and focus. It helps me get things done and set my mind on other aspects of life. Today has been particularly rough in regard to the spiritual fast. I came into agreement with a good friend for their petitions. I promised them that I would intercede on their behalf until they gave me the word today that they overcame what they needed to. At the time of this writing, they have not messaged me back. The uncertainty of when I will end my fast is not the hard part. For some reason, this morning, I woke up and this rush of anxious thoughts began to flood my mind. I prayed and tried to place my mind elsewhere, but the thoughts persisted. My flesh began to rise up against me and tried to convince me to give up on the fast. I really considered giving up, but I felt like God had taught me something very important in the discipline of fasting. If you tell God that you are going to commit to a set time of fasting, please complete that time. I learned a crucial lesson on my first five-day fast back in May 2015. On the night of my third day of the fast, I was crying as I was going back and forth to the kitchen ready to break the fast. The pains in my stomach were more than I could bear. I wanted to surrender to this fast so badly. I was desperate to give in. However, the Lord spoke to me and said, I will not be mad if you give up now. However, This is as far as you will go with me, and you will never know why I declared the five-day fast for you, nor will you see the fruit of its blessing. From that day forward, I made up my mind that if I'm going to commit something to God, then I'm going to finish it all the way through, especially in fasting. I hate the feeling of not knowing what God has for me. It is better to complete what you commit to. Why give up when you are already in pain? You might as well continue in pain so that all the turmoil can be worth it. Pain produces satisfaction upon receipt of accomplishment. Fasting does not only have to do with food. You can fast from anything that is distracting you from the presence of God. Is that social media? Your cell phone? Television? People? Work? These are all things that compete for the place of God. An idol is anything that you give more time to than God. Only one person can sit upon the throne of your heart. Give God his rightful place upon the throne. It is very wise to step away from most of these distractions while on your spiritual fast. The Daniel fast is a good fast to try if you are not able to do a complete fast. You can google lists of foods that are acceptable to eat. Remember that fasting is about the heart. It is not about eating or drinking. Do not make this a religious thing. God is not moved because you choose to fast or you fast for 72 days. He is looking for a heart that is willing to humble itself before him. Fasting is the greatest way to draw closer to him because the Bible says that he draws close to the humble. A typical day of fasting for me is this. I wake up earlier than usual to pray and read at least one chapter of the Bible. I sit and I meditate in silence with God. Then I go about my day as usual while limiting my access to technology. Since I usually eat every two hours, I replace that time with prayer. I go into a private place and I pray to the Lord. I seek him about the things that I am praying about. However, as mentioned before, prayer is not about us accomplishing our will in heaven. It is about God's will being done on earth. It is very crucial that you align yourself to the will of God. Ask him what he wants to get done in this day of fasting. What is his purpose for your fast? These are the ways of thinking you must adopt in fasting. So much can be accomplished by God, even the impossible. But if we insist on doing things our own way, we will walk around the same mountain for 40 years. When you are ready to take fasting to the next level... I highly recommend reading Isaiah 58. The Lord rebukes Israel for their insincerity in fasting. The Lord desires us to be selfless in all things. In fasting, he wants us to go above and beyond for people. When we see the naked, we should clothe them. When we see the hungry, we should feed them. When we see the thirsty, we should offer them a cup to drink. These concepts are so integral to God's fast that he declared that as you do unto these people, so is it being done unto him. The Lord is always requiring more of us. There is no such thing as doing too much for God with a sincere heart. We are always being molded and shaped to the image of Christ. Fasting is the greatest way to get there. God is infinite and will infinitely require your sacrifice in pursuing him in sincerity and earnestness. I implore you, please commit yourself to the discipline of fasting. It will transform your life. I am not going to deceive you. Fasting is a hard restraint to acquire. But wow, if you would but commit yourself to it, you will reap a bountiful heavenly harvest. I am not talking about materialistic possessions. The rewards you will receive is intimacy with God, wisdom, knowledge, self-discipline, strength, and many other things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all those things you are worried about will be added unto you. Chapter 5 patience. Ah, patience. Everyone's favorite word. I just want to tell you right now, get comfortable with training for patience. The Lord will stretch your faith by it in every single way possible. The world operates on the foundations of faith and patience There may not be a single thing in life that does not require patience. Think about it. Life is born from the patience of an expecting mother. Nature shows the process of patience in the seed. The seasons work by time and patience. The farmer plants his seed in the ground and waits for it to produce a crop and harvest. The development of anything takes time and patience. We must be the same way with God. We should be connecting with God to see what His vision for our life is, then operate in the gifting and talents He has blessed us with to make a way in the world for us. However, it takes great patience to develop these things. Everything in life requires you to be patient. Patience is the purifier of all things, and time is its furnace. Patience is the flame of which God uses to remove the dross from our life. Time is an interesting reality for humanity. It is relative, mostly, to our consciousness of it. What do I mean? When you are having fun, time seems to go by faster than you can handle. However, when you are going through a rough season... It seems that every single grain of the sands of time are grinding against your skin. Time is constant and it continues to move. If we can learn to be patient, then we can master one of the most fundamental aspects of life. God chooses to use time and patience to mold and shape us in the fires of life. Leo Tolstoy said, The two most powerful warriors are patience and time. What do you think he meant by that? My biblical interpretation would be that God fights our battles, and if he fights our battles, then the only thing that is required of us is patience on his perfect timing. We are not waiting for God to answer us, we are waiting to catch up to God's answer. Somewhere on this timeline of humanity are the completed promises of God. When the Lord speaks, it is so. In the very instant the word leaves his mouth, it leaves the heavens and descends upon the earth like rain and snow. Yet it does not return to the Lord until it has accomplished what he has sent it out to do. The word of God never returns to him void. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 4 states, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world, God blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places so that we should be holy and blameless before him. We just need to wait upon him. God answered us before we ever called, and he still wants to hear us as we are still speaking. Oh, our Lord, thank you so much for your great and merciful blessings toward us. I pray that we receive these blessings to your glory and that it will make us holy and blameless before you. Patience is not about waiting. It is an attitude. When God tells you to wait, be patient and know that he is God. It is likely that he is not directing you to literally sit on your couch all day and wait for him to show up. No, patience is about enduring through the season you are in while utilizing the talents he has given you. The Lord wants to see us working in those things. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10-11 through 11 states, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God wants you to use your gifting to serve His kingdom. When He commands you to be patient and wait upon Him, He is directing you to seek His face and direction on what to do next. Never be impatient, because impatience leads to disobedience, and disobedience leads to isolation from God. When you are outside the will of God, you are giving the enemy free reign over your life. The devil is so shameless. He will take your head clean off your shoulders and kill anyone who stands in his way. This is because he knows the power and potential that is in you. But God is your protector and provider. He will deliver all who call upon the name of Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8 states, the ending of something is better than its beginning we are always looking for the end of something when god is putting us through a season of preparation we want it to end because it is painful however i would encourage you to enjoy the process that god puts you through the lord does not want to cause you harm because he is an angry god no he is perfect in all things that he does He has thoughts of good and a plan for a great future towards us. He desires to mature us. The way that he matures us is by the use of suffering. Romans 5 verses 3 through 5 states, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It is his motive to prepare us for himself. There is always something that needs to be changed within us. God wants to bring us from glory to glory, but glory requires sacrifice. Therefore, as James 1 declares, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let fastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Oftentimes in our season of preparation, God wants to teach us something for the season of blessing that is to come. When you are going through these trials, be present in that day you find yourself in. Do not look to the past, nor too much to the future. Set your gaze upon the Lord and rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. This past season of preparation in my own life was a major lesson. I found myself constantly looking forward to the end of the season. The Lord corrected me because I was about to waste my season. He told me that there is beauty in tragedy. We must learn to be satisfied in suffering. God always wants to use the simple things of the world to confound the wise. That is why God's dealings with humanity are usually oxymoronic. They are so against what we are used to. That is why the Bible states that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. We must be patient and understand that God knows all things and is working out everything for our good. Lean on his understanding and not your own. The Lord can see the outcome of all thoughts, actions, decisions, motives, and intentions. He weighs the heart of every man on the scales of his righteousness. Do not think that you know better than God. Again, be still, patient, and know that he is God. God makes everything beautiful in its time. However, it is going to take time. The Lord never does anything halfway. He finishes everything that he starts. The same God that makes the end known from the beginning is the same God who will finish the work that he started in you. The Lord is bound by one thing and one thing alone, his word. Everything the Lord speaks, he is bound by it to complete it. Psalm 138 verse 2 further declares this concept in that he placed his word above his very name so if god has spoken anything to you please endure in patience for it do not give up you are already in the fire why would you walk backwards in the flames of preparation the trials that you do not complete today will have to be completed someday you might as well endure patiently Conclusion. Dear Heavenly Brothers and Sisters, I thank you for reading this small e-book to the end. It is my prayer that the Lord has used these words in some way to draw you closer in intimacy of His almighty presence. I pray that our Father would demonstrate His glory in your life. If you have been going through trials of any kind, that you would endure in patience. I encourage you to never give up. There will be a day when you look back at these times and understand why he put you through it. God is never wasteful. He will use everything for his purposes. Trust in him that everything works for the good of those who love him. You are called to a greater life. There is nothing that can stop you. I pray that you would utilize these tips enclosed in this book to seek the Lord every day. The Lord is faithful to complete his word and you will see the glory of God in the land of the living. Please apply these tips and principles in your life and you will see the greatness of his mercy. I hope that I was able to be used in your life. I am here to serve the kingdom with my gifts and talents. May the purpose of you seeking God be complete in Jesus Christ. I pray that whatever you are going through would strengthen you for the times that are to come. Our Father will bless you abundantly. He is so true. I am grateful that I am a son of God. I hope that you would use this book to continue to deepen your relationship with him. Please share this book with anyone that you think would need it. May God receive all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. May he be pleased by my faith and sincerity of heart to be of service to our beloved body of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Be glorified forever and always, my King. Amen. And to close, finally, I give all the glory and honor to the Lord, my beloved God. I pray that He is pleased by my faith. I desire only to make Him smile. It is my hope to one day look upon His face in brilliance. May He answer my prayers for you and your family. God bless.